and welcome to episode two of Coffee and Cults. I am Samantha Land. And I'm John Nash. This time, what are we talking about, John? Well, I'm a little bit worried I might break the format already on our second episode, uh, Sam. We are Coffee and Cults. Uh, what are you drinking, Sam? I've got a coffee made by Mexican rebels or something that came from your kitchen. Awesome. And uh, I am drinking a nice cup of tea. <laughs> For reasons that will become clear. Uh, later on and um, yeah the group that I've chosen to speak about this uh, week when I first read about them were clearly labelled as a cult in the first article great they obviously they disagree with that uh, assessment I would say they're on the edge they're not as extreme as other groups that we've looked at before but I've become a little bit obsessed and certainly there are lots of things about the way that this group ran that put it in the cult category so hopefully i haven't strayed too far from the premise i'm sure um, it's fine i can see a, a book in front of us yes i read articles and then i found a cheap book about them on <laughs> uh the internet last time we were in america this time we're bringing it home sam we're bringing it home to the uk Ooh. to a cult that were based in bedford it in the uk so this is uh, the story of the panacea society Great. And in particular, their figurehead, who started her life as Mabel Baltrop. Baltrop? Baltrop? B-A-R-L-T-R-O-P. Baltrop. Something like that. Um, but she gets a much cooler name later on, as is often the case with cult leaders. Um, and I'm going to start out with this little quote uh, from the manager of the Panacea Museum in Bedford. Right. You can go and visit where they lived uh, Sam, so maybe we should do that as a road trip. Um, and this is about her, and that we'll sort of go into a bit of the background. Mabel Baltrop was the founder of the Panacea Society, a predominantly middle-class, middle-aged group of spinsters who enjoyed tea on the lawn. See, tea. In reality, they were expecting Jesus Christ to return to Bedford. They believed Bedford was the centre of England, and that England was the centre of the world. Um, and that's Gemma uh, Paparu, the manager of the museum. Uh, they also believed that uh, Bedford was the original site of the Garden of Eden. Okay. Bethlehem, Bedford, you know, overlap there. Stop the same Very characters. similar. Yeah. So well, Jesus is, wants to come back to Bedford? Yes. And one of the things that they're famous for is that they owned a number of houses together in this town in Bedford, and they had one house that was done up ready for when Jesus came back because he'd want to come back to the site of the original Garden of Eden in Bedford. And so they had a house set up for him. Um, and I'm jumping ahead already, yeah. but there's a brilliant um, interview with one of the last remaining members, spoilers, and uh, she's going, yeah, there's a shower in there. I mean, obviously Jesus might not need that because he will have, you know, a shining, risen, holy body, but we're trying to kit it out as best we can. <laughs> preparing for Jesus' B.O. Exactly. <laughs> that holy B.O. is... you got to watch it. So Mabel Bulltrop sort of began this transformation in 1919 when uh, a friend of hers who was a vicar's daughter, Ellen Oliver, got a message from God from on high saying that Mabel was the new Messiah and a very right. particular kind of... Messiah. So we're going to get even more local now because we're recording in Plymouth, Devon. We're going to do a flashback now. Mabel had become fascinated by this woman called Joanna Southcott, right. who was from Devon. 
she was uh, born in uh, Telford, baptised in Ottery St. Mary, where we have been and run away from burning tar barrels, um, and uh, raised in Gittisham, which is somewhere I haven't heard of. And she uh, had been brought up in the Church of England. Uh, she then sort of shifted into uh, Wellesians, which I think is like a Methodist okay. sort of sect. Um, and she decided that she had contact with God and that she would get these messages and prophecies about the apocalypse. Um, and they were all prophecies that sort of rhymed. So if you imagine like an apocalyptic Devonshire... Dr. Zeus. Dr. Zeus or Pamez. <laughs> Great. Um, so I just I'll read you a little bit of uh, Joanna Southcott. Now should men say all this by thee is done, thy head is wiser than each mortal's son, and if they say it cometh from the devil, then plainly tell them that their thoughts are evil, for Satan's wisdom never lay so deep. Yet to thyself thou must the secret keep, wow. and that kind of thing. And there are hundreds of these rhyming. Do we think in, in prophecies? Like Nineteen nineteen Devonshire language, devil and evil rhymed, or maybe was it maybe just meant to be um, read? Southcott is in the seventeen hundreds, so she's a little bit earlier than than so these maybe. guys. So possibly there's that whole thing about Shakespeare's accent being. Yeah, I think so. Devil. I guess in yeah in proper Devonshire as well, devil, evil, maybe. Maybe. Sorry, Gina, I didn't uh, do that. Uh, just get... looked up to the sky as if she was just hovering on the roof waiting for us. Who can say? <laughs> so she existed. She published uh, lots of these prophecies about the apocalypse uh, and the uh, you know revelation from God that would happen in the year 2000. Sorry, Joanna. Um, uh, and she was also famous for selling seals of the Lord. So um, what? how much would you pay to ensure your place in eternal life, Sam? As one of the as we know from the Bible, 144,000 people that get saved. So I've got to pay more than everyone else. No, just how much, would you, how much would you pay for one of these seals to guarantee your place in eternal life? First, but am I bidding on a seal? Like, er, 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 seal? Oh, or no, I think it's, it's like a little yeah, token or, okay. or document or something. I don't know, like 15 quid? <laughs> I don't really 12 shillings that's what she used to I don't know whether that's a lot of money in, at the time but for 12 shillings you could buy from the prophetess uh, Joanna Southcott seals of God that would get you into that heaven seems... so she was quite famous newspapers cartoon artists would take the mickey out of her and later in her life she decided that she was pregnant with the new messiah Shiloh right and she was going to give birth to the new messiah but it seems to have been like a phantom pregnancy Ooh. or illness. She didn't give birth. And then not long after that, she died in, uh, in 1814 at the age of 64. She had lots of followers, supposedly like 100,000 100, people waiting to see this Messiah get born. Wow. And then I'm it doesn't happen. Disappointed that it was just a tumour or something. She, yeah. Ooh. Disappointed that she dies. Keep her body uh, out for a few days in case she comes back to life. Spoiler alert, that doesn't happen. No. And so that is Joanna Southcott. But the reason she became famous later on is that at the time of her death, she had a box of prophecies for the future that hadn't been read yet, a sealed box. And Ooh. she'd left instructions that when Britain, when England was in a time of great need, you would have to get, uh, let me check how many, 24 bishops from the Church of England together to open this box and read her prophecies okay so she'd sort of been a, a big deal then there were then lots of sort of groups that existed after 
that that sort of kept her story going, kept publishing her stories, would sort of come right to bishops and go, ah, dear Bishop of Bath and Wells, how about we open this box of prophecies from the apocalyptic Pan Airs? Let's get on it. <laughs> uh, the bishops weren't so um, so keen on that. And so, yeah, so remember the box. We'll talk about it later on when we get to okay, the society, the but Play. funny. So Mabel is about in her 50s, I think. She's the widow of an Anglican clergyman. Bit dissatisfied with the Church of England. She's had quite a series of um, mental health issues. And she finds the writings of Joanna Southcott and goes, yes, this sounds great to me. This sounds good. I'm really interested in her. Um, And she'd had a rough time. So it was about... 10 years after her husband had died and she'd been in and out of mental hospitals diagnosed with melancholia oh. um, uh, believing um, so this is from the records uh, she says she is the cause of all the misery in the world oh that's really sad so she was very unhappy um, so she had some children some of whom were away early and then later off in the war I guess so um, and delusion as well yeah. it looks like from from reading about it in more depth. Um, and around that time, she found the writings of Joanna Southcott okay. and went, okay, I think this is good. Started to form a, a group to sort of talk about them and share them. And then eventually this group decided that, wouldn't you know it, Mabel was this new messiah, was what? Shiloh. Um, and Shiloh that was never born. Well, what, years what they believed, Sam, <laughs> was that Shiloh had been born then spiritually and had then gone straight back up to heaven right i'm trying to mind that to you as to what i think that might have looked like that's not helpful so they've been born but not really born but spiritually born through joanna southcott nobody had seen this spirit birth take place but it had happened and now shiloh was back in the form of uh, mabel who suddenly began to agree with this idea that was around this group of women that maybe Mabel was definitely the Messiah. And some of them weren't sure. There's a woman called Kate, who she has a sort of an ongoing rivalry with, who's like, I'm not sure Mabel is, but she is great. I love her. And maybe she is, but I, are we sure about that's so this? That's refreshing to hear that there was someone in there going, maybe that's not it. She's got good ideas, but... Because, you know, yeah. the thing that makes cults cults is that everyone just kind of goes along with it and there's there's not a critical voice there well very quickly people go yeah we think mabel is uh definitely um she starts to call herself octavia because the number eight is seen as particularly um significant and also maybe she's the eighth prophet after the established prophet so i don't know moses jesus joanna southcott some other bloke mabel um and she starts this little community um, of people in Bedford, which is mostly single women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Great. Either unmarried or widowed or of that, you know, that sort mm-hmm. of run. They're all slightly, they're of that generation that are slightly too old to have been widowed by the First World War, but they are women that were just single and couldn't, and then suddenly there weren't any men around right. because of the war. Um, Sorry, what year are we in now? Uh, so this is in uh, sort of 19... 19- 1919, 1920, okay. 1921. So the this coming out of all of that yeah. unrest. And... Yeah. Um, and she'd lost a son in the war as well, mm. um, fighting overseas. Um, and so this group suddenly begins to grow 
um, and they have this sort of network of core members that live in Bedford, the Garden of Eden. They have more people that are sort of in contact with them uh, around the world. Uh, supposedly, in 1934, there were 2,000 sealed members, which means they'd properly joined up and done all the things you had to do to join up. Uh, yeah, similar. And supposedly lots of believers worldwide. There are two figures for how many other people, which I guess are everyone who sort of wrote to them or said, yeah, I'm interested in your ideas or I'm interested in your one of the services they offered later on. So those numbers are put anything between 75,000 and 120,000. Wow. Um, Mabel's doing well. Yeah. Um, and fortunately for her, her house in Bedford that she lived in with her aunt, I think, and daughter, uh, the back garden was the site of the Garden of Eden. So it was a pretty good place to start That's a community uh, where you could she lives in the garden? Go. Yeah. Wow. Um, so then she was in charge <laughs> of this community and she would get messages from God, um, mostly through automatic writing. So when the religion's really running, 5pm yeah. every evening, uh, half past five, sorry, you get together, uh, Mabel does automatic writing to get a message from God and then she reads it to you as part of the evening service what every day like cult leaders and they're like stream of consciousness meaning like because that's what jim jones did isn't it all his um loudspeaker conversations were just massive streams of consciousness and... yeah um and so she starts oh, to arrogance. well yeah maybe so she starts to run this community and they are often like a little sort of core group of close members and then gradually more people come and visit and move and they start off with one house i think and then they buy a second house um across the road and then they buy another house and more and more of these women mostly women there are some men which leads to some controversy later on which we'll get to um and they start to live together and follow octavia listen to her sort of channeled messages and sort of slightly strange beliefs believe it or not um but there's lots of what's what i love about this group is that it's got lots of sort of bonkers religious things and then like a very middle class english conservative vibe so w when you live there there are uh, lists of instructions and rules maybe i'll tell you some more later on but you know octavia will tell you sam the right way to eat a jacket potato and that it's wrong to open a window at certain times of the day um and that it's better if you eat toast quietly um <laughs> And that is my, always my concern with toast. Oh, am I crunching <laughs> too loudly? Exactly. Wow. And and you're not allowed to. Um, oh, can I skip ahead in my notes? Um, it's very important that you don't call um, like napkins serviettes. You have to call them napkins. She sort of has those kind of rules for all of her followers, as well as don't have sex if you can avoid it. Overcome your own sins. Pledge allegiance to me and to Jesus coming back. It's like this really it's odd mix. And, and now let's go and have tea in the garden. Pledge allegiance to me, drink tea in the garden, do not crunch your toast. Oh, geez, oh that's so sad because that means all these people are having really chewy toast. <laughs> I was going to do chewy toast sound into the mic, but you'll just edit it out probably, so I won't do that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they sort of start uh, this society um, that's about getting ready for the fact that Jesus is going to come back and the world's going to end really soon. So we've got a house ready for him to come and stay. We're all going to overcome our own personality flaws. They're sort of, this is where we start to get into cultish territory. It's about overcoming your flaws and sins and sort of getting rid of some of your personality 
so that you're neutral and open and good and ready for um sorry for this noise it's not a wee <laughs> it's going on for so long i should have waited for you to stop a sentence i'm gonna leave that in and ready for <laughs> eternal life uh, to come um and they build this yeah this campus ready for that uh, to go on and there are 12 apostles around her so like the closest 12 women are her best mates right um, like her real apostles. So, like, well, like the disciples. Yeah, right? absolutely. She's trying to recreate that. And there's lots of conversation about the group that, you know, things that happen within this house and this community are not just John and Sam had a cup of tea. It's like, what is the biblical end time significance of, well, actually, that's this bit of revelation and okay. this um, this idea. And so the 12, she started looking for her 12 followers um, and what's interesting is it's got this Christian vibe, but then they add sort of lots of things from weird groups. So they borrow lots from uh, Theosophy and Madame Blavatsky and that kind of occultic vibe. That's something you're going to have to teach me about later. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that another <laughs> another time. And that, like lots of fringe occultic groups, mm-hmm. spiritualist groups, those kinds of things. Um, so when she's looking for her 12 apostles, she decides that she needs one of each astrological sign. Okay. And then she's happy to notice that amongst the women that are around, actually, there are 12 who have very different. So it's like, oh, well, that's God showing oh, me that that's the right. You're absolutely the best at making tea, but you're an Aries and so is Mary. So yeah. you can't... Um, um, absolutely the right thing to do um, because England is the is the holy land um, and therefore they're going to be... Um, they're going to be ready. And so, yeah, this group begins. And what's amazing about it for the time period is that it's run by a woman... Virtually all the high up people in it are women. It's sort of quite pro listening to women. It's about the Church of England has got two stuck in um, dominance by men. And, you know, previously we had the male Messiah and his male followers. And now to balance that out ready for the end times, we've got the female Messiah and the female followers. But they're still waiting for man Jesus to come along, though. Yes. Yes. She's Jesus. No, she's the... See, Jesus, Sam, is the son of God. Octavia is the daughter of God. Okay. Then you have the Holy Spirit or the voice of God and God. So they don't have a trinity. They've, like, pimped it out. (laughs) Yeah, with an extra woman. Okay. Um, And so that will be the balance then. You'll have the son and daughter of God. And later she comes to go, actually, my dead Anglican vicar husband, who died long before all of this started, actually, he was probably Jesus come back. (laughs) That. Yeah. yeah and her son uh adrian like later on who's very skeptical about it all he's like um I, <laughs> that's like the sticking point for him she's like as soon as he st- she started saying dad was jesus i was like maybe this isn't true <laughs> he's very unhappy about that so yeah so she starts and they run this uh community she does her own uh like versions of server of services church services supposedly sometimes she wears her husband's like church vestments and things Ooh, how did churchy people feel about that i'm sure they were not upset. great and the church of england was always annoyed with them because they were pretty much constantly writing to them going this is what you're doing wrong and have you heard about octavia and can we open joanna southcott's box now please so the box is still closed the box point. is still closed hasn't been opened a big part of what they do is try and arrange um for uh, the bishops to come and open it mm-hmm. and so later on um, after one of the scandals, they acquire this bigger property in this little enclave 
in Bedford, and they prepare that ready to be the accommodation and viewing room for 24 bishops to come and stay and open the box, which they don't have at this point. Who, who has the box? Where is the box? Or has Octavia written the box? <laughs> There's some... Nobody's sure. There's a woman in, I think in Devon, who was a South Cotian sort of follower, who says that she has it, and she's in contact with the Panacea Society. They don't really get on. Some of the other groups are like, this is not pure enough to Joanna's vision we don't believe that octavia is um but this woman has the box won't give it to the society but occasionally sort of talks to them about it mm. there's also somebody in portsmouth or bournemouth i think who thinks they have a version of the box um and later on in the story um harry price the famous paranormal investigator guy he says he has a version of the box um so that he's gonna open boxes. yeah um but yeah, absolutely. Um, but at this point, they think it's with this woman down in in Devon, okay. um, and they just they're just trying to organise it being opened because they want those extra prophecies, um, and they believe that will be part of the end times coming around. So you join uh, as a woman uh, to this cult. You pledge to Octavia. You can sort of get on board with all of these female sort of led versions of church ceremonies. Yeah. Um, and you marry God, if you want to be a... Like a nun? ...member, sort of. Um, you have to do this vow. Do you want to take this vow with me? Uh, I would love so, to. Now, um, I, I take thee, O God, my maker... I take thee, O God, my maker... ...to be my wedded husband... ...to be my wedded husband... And I claim vengeance over Satan. And I claim vengeance over Satan. As a wife claims vengeance on her husband's murderer. As a wife claims vengeance on her husband's murderer. See, it starts out normal and then goes a little bit nutsy. Slightly sideways. Yep. So, little sidetrack is I did a um, murder mystery last night and I had to marry someone else. So that's the second wedding vow I've made in 24 hours. Good one week for you. A strange man and one was too God. Let's hope your actual real-life fiancé doesn't find out about all of these extra marriages. <laughs> these extra marriages. Um, and that's a problem for some members. So Gertrude, who was one of the members of the group, she was already married. And would you believe it, after marrying God, she found her own husband then was a bit disappointing and didn't really come up to scratch. Um, and so she writes to Octavia going, oh, I'm a bit unhappy now. And that's what's amazing about this group and the reason we know so much about their sort of day-to-day -day life and what this, sort of, uh, this book by... Uh, Jane Shaw has so much detail is because they all wrote letters they kept records mm. all of this stuff still exists Wow! diaries, letters, documents they published endless books all of her records yeah. anything they got paperwork wise they, they kept, kept and is all still in this series of houses in Bedford Amazing. Um, so you join, you take part and the plan is that you're going to live forever on earth Sam oh really? it's the end times, heaven isn't you're not going to fly up to heaven. You're going to have, if you're one of the 144,000 elect, you're going to have eternal life on earth, mostly based around Bedford and the Garden of Eden. <laughs> um, and so you have to get yourself ready for that. Okay. Eternal life on earth. Aren't we going to have some sort of nuclear holocaust in the next kind of couple hundred years anyway? Well, I suppose for them in, you know, 1920s, it's going to happen then and it'll just be, you know, and then heaven and Jesus will be back. And so all bad human things will stop because all the bad right. people will go away. It'll only be the cool people left in. Um, that 
is a lot of space. Bedford. Think about the cool house you could have. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to be near the Garden of Eden and yeah. Octavia so you can get her messages. Great so. house in Bedford. Yeah. Wow. And they must be, you know, great houses because as we'll learn later on, they're worth a load of money. Um, so you have to get ready for this, Sam, uh, by a process called overcoming, the aims of which are to rid... Oh, no, it's just giggling. Carry on. <laughs> the aims of which are to rid oneself of one's personality. Easy. Job oh, done. Oh, God, that sounds so boring. Overcome sin and get rid of anything annoying in your personality and behaviours. Well, that would be getting rid of my personality. Yep. So <laughs> that's what... of annoying things. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. Um, so that's what they're trying to do. That's what they're trying to get rid of. And as part of that, you have to sort of... They have their version of confession uh, where you have to report your failings pretty regularly and also report the failings of other people around you so it's like a group that shall not be named exactly very similar to that so lots of these letters are people writing to octavia to go here are my flaws for today or for this week or for this month Uh, and sometimes they said they would burn them afterwards so i think maybe like your first big confession when you joined they supposedly burn those records but when you're regularly reporting this stuff they seem to have kept all of you know there's all of this paperwork and and it's acceptable to sort of call so i might in evening service go and i've just noticed that sam's being really moody lately and i think she just for when jesus gets back she needs to really stop being moody and you just sort of have to go okay fine i'll take that on um but it also means then that particularly mabel and her later on she has a right hand uh, woman Emily Goodwin, One who who is the divine mother, who's sort of like the Holy Spirit voice of God sort of person, but she's basically the enforcer. So any of your problems, yeah, anything you want to confess, anything you want to report about other people, anything that's going on, you tell Emily Goodwin, and she's this. I'll show you a picture in a minute. She's this frightening-looking older woman, and she's basically yeah, she's the enforcer the of the group. Out of you. Um, there she is. So, oh, she looks like she looks like all the extras in Mamma Mia. <laughs> she does, but yeah. without that sense of um, Grecian fun. Yeah, that sense of fun. So there are lots of you know ways that you can be annoying and that you have to get rid of um, those things of personality. She publishes these manners papers, which are about how you should behave, uh, what good manners are. There's a staggering attention to detail in Octavia's papers. This is from the book, um, which is Octavia, Daughter of God, the story of a female messiah and her followers by Jane Shaw, who was a Church of England. um, I think she's a a Church of England minister, priest and historian, um, but also writes historical books. Toast could cause trouble. The manners paper declares any person who makes an undue noise when eating toast and declares they cannot avoid it must leave off eating toast, Sam, and must not take any other food which causes them to make noise. Only silent foods. Is that just a lot of mashed potato? Teeth that click must be attended to. There is a remedy that can be asked about. Eating sweets or candies can make you unpopular. People who go about the house with a sweet in their mouth or sudden scrunch a sweet in one's face can easily get disliked. No! Ask ask my boyfriend. All I do is walk around the house with sweets in my mouth. (laughs) But that is an obnoxious personality trait you need to get rid of before Jesus comes back. Um, I mean, there are loads of these. Never take butter with your own knife. 
Do not call a dinner napkin a serviette. Eat asparagus with your fingers. And it is correct, Sam, to take a baked potato with your fingers and to break it, not cut it. These sound like the opposite of manners, don't they? Like, you, so I've got to don't use your own knife to butter your. <laughs> so I've got to. If me and John are sitting down for breakfast, I take John's knife to use the butter <laughs> and then put it back. I guess maybe like a specific butter. Um, <laughs> nice, uh, but yeah. So then you have to monitor and report all your faults and failings. So here's a list of uh, inhibitions, peculiarities, and drawbacks. Again, this is from. Uh, the excellent book uh, in the chapter called How to Live Forever. Um, nervousness, sensitiveness, shyness, fear, selfishness, self-opinion, doubt, jealousy, pride, untruthfulness. And so these people are trying to constantly get rid of these traits, report these traits in other people so that they can get rid of them. They know all of the times you've broken these things. They have these extensive sort of paper records of what your day-to-day life is like. And you're trying to get rid of your personality as well. So it's intact, and you're if you're living with them, if you're one of the really close sealed members, then you're doing that all the time, constantly. There are some members who don't live with them who are then writing letters to go. Today I am. Um, today I felt like. I was nervous. Uh, there's there's a great woman Ethel Castle who writes in to Octavia. She's really worried about all of this um, because she says, <clears throat> "I don't seem to be able to bring enough faults and failings to my mind every night when I'm supposed to list the things I'm doing wrong." She's like, "I'm really worried that I'm not shit Perfect. enough." <laughs> oh, oh, that's. Oh. Um, so, yeah, that becomes. Uh, but people, a lot of them like some of the theology because it's not sort of abstract. It's Jesus is coming. Here's practically what you're doing every day to get ready for him. This process of overcoming. Um, and then you swear an oath of allegiance to Octavia. Um, and then you can become sealed as a member. But each night make a list of your failings that day to hand in, report other people's failures. And then um, Octavia will give you advice about how to run your life okay so um so that's section one the charismatic leader absolutely um and uh, And you know obsessive levels of control yeah and dictates for how you're supposed to live um and it's really i suppose the reporting your family and friends as well is the isolating you yeah because if any of your family aren't involved in this sort of thing they're going to reject you going oh you were too prideful today yep and if you live in the community then you only you know, you hang out in that community. You're there all day. Some members come and work for them. So you can come as a member because there's this thing that's happening sort of after the war where middle class families are getting rid of servants. Right. Because you can't afford them and that sort of socially is becoming a bit strange. Um, Correct. But lots of members come and then they're still servants. So it's like, right, so you're going to come and you're working for us. And there's this poor woman who's really keen. She really loves them. She really loves all the teachings. She's in her 40s, I think, or 50s. Yeah. She's basically their maid. Oh. And she's allowed to go to one evening service a week. And she's like, Can I, could I go to like two? Because, um, you know, I've done lots of extra overtime. She gets Sunday afternoons off. That's what she gets off. She gets like 12 till 10 on a Sunday afternoon off. Yeah. So she can, like, go on a picnic or something or go to the pictures. Um, and she's like, could I just go to one more service a week? And Octavia is like, no, you are a servant. You need to do your servanting. You need to do your servanting. <laughs> so, oh, no, poor thing. Yeah. And then any, you know, you cannot disagree with Octavia about anything. You cannot disagree with 
um, Emily Goodwin about anything. Right. And that then starts to cause lots of um, internal um, issues. So there's a really sad thing. I don't have so many notes about this. Uh, her daughter... Octavia's daughter. Yeah. Uh, Dillis. Dillis. She's the only... Oh. Uh, the older son dies, one moves away, and one has been in the army, so he's been overseas. Okay. And later comes back. That's Adrian. Um, Dillis is still living, has sort of grown up from the sort of early 19... You know, 1916, 17, where suddenly this group started meeting in her mum's living room Mm -hmm. that's now become this cult where she lives. Yeah. And she's inherited lots of her mother's mental health issues. She's deeply upset with herself, feels that, you know, she's never had a home that's hers because she's always sort of visiting in this cult's group. Everybody's critical of her and monitoring her all the time. She has to look at herself constantly for flaws. So she becomes deeply unhappy, deeply suicidal. Occasionally people try and take her on holiday and Octavia's like, no, she needs to come back. This is the best place for her to be. Um, Somebody else uh, arranges for her to go. If she has six months of treatment here, then maybe she'll be all right. And they're like, no, she doesn't need any treatment except the healing that we provide. She needs to stay here. That's what panacea is, isn't it? It's the... It's in, I know this from video games. Is that it's the like cure all? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and like yeah, magical solution to yeah. cure everything. And they ha- that's big part of what they do. So um, they're pro Octavia being the Messiah. They're pro opening Joanna Southcott's box, and then they have a healing service. Right. Um, and their healing service is called something wonderful, like the Ministry of Healing or something. Yeah, Ministry of Healing. Um, and and so that's what Dillis is sort of recommended versus any other treatment. And there's a brief period where Dillis is so suicidal and causing such a problem in the community that they send her away to France a couple of times to live with a member sort of looking after her. And suddenly Dillis gets much better. She writes these letters where she's like, I feel much happier now. Um, I really, I'm not sure that the visitation, which is the whole sort of what her children sort of call the whole group Being thing. The... I'm not I'm not sure that's for me. I'm not sure I'm totally on board with it now. Um, but I'm really... And then oh, she has like this eight I months, like, like she's worse. better. And then she comes back and then just stays in the in the group. And there are lots of these sort of sad photos of her still, still being in the group until she um, dies later on. And when her brother comes back, he wants to get married. And marriage is banned. You're not allowed to get married. Except the gods. Super frowned on. Mm-hmm. Um... So Octavia's like, I don't care that you're getting married. Um, him and his wife, or wife-to-be, come to... No, I think they have got married, come to visit for quite a while. They're there for a few months. Um, and during that first visit, um, they don't have dinner or lunch with Octavia once. She'll only occasionally see them and say hello. Right. And he's brought his wife to England to visit his family. Yeah. And his mum's like, having none of it. Oh, that's not the way to get people to like yeah. you, Octavia. And, and again, it's like, you're, you're a bad influence. You need to... So, it, yeah, so it sort of starts out as just a fringe group and then there are lots of things about it that really start to feel... Keeps taking big turns. Really culty and really sort of um, intense. So, yes, they have a healing ministry um, because they decide people need healing. Mm-hmm. Conventional medicine isn't great. You know, solutions of the world. It's a bit like the Christian scientists. It's a bit like right. solutions of the world aren't really very helpful now only doctrine stuff um so her breath is healing her sort of presence is healing but obviously sam that's really difficult if you have 
members all over the world, which they do. There are members in Australia and America and you elsewhere. Can buy, you can buy people's farts on eBay, can't you, in the Tupperware? So do you reckon she was, like, breathing into bottles? And Basically, well, you're so close oh, because she blesses water and water becomes the healing thing. You drink the healing water or you bathe in the healing water. But obviously that's impractical to send out and to mass market. Yeah. So what they start to do and this is how lots of people connect to the group without necessarily becoming members, is she breathes on originally a bit of cardboard, and then you get posted that, and you put that in water, and it's like mixing up a jug, and then you make up a jug of healing water, and it's never going to um, get old. Yeah. So you can just keep drinking then that water, and you're supposed to drink it at, I don't know, 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and 5 o'clock, and it will heal all of your ills. You didn't tell me she was a homeopath. <laughs> it is like yeah, literal home, postal homeopathic. Yeah. Uh, later, it becomes little scraps of cloth, um, and they, as I love in the museum now, she breathed on so many bits of this cloth that there are still boxes and boxes of it. That if anyone wanted to keep running the society, they could probably keep running it for a while because she would just <sighs> <sighs> for <laughs> hundreds and thousands crazy. of these bits of cloth that you oh can then gosh. send out. Um, so you could take. She laid them all out on a table. Along them. See, you're much more practical than I am. I would be rubbish at running a um, fraudulent, allegedly fraudulent healing setup. She's dead. Yeah, that's fine. Um, So that's their their big sort of healing thing that you can get this holy water from these swats of cloth that Octavia's uh, breathed on, and people write in and go. Um, and they get taken the mickey out of them, the press when one of their members is like, yeah, I was cured, and my dog was too. Um, and obviously then there are occasionally letters where people are like, actually, he's dead now. The water didn't do anything. Um, but they're convinced that this is a big healing power. And also they start to believe that these bits of um, cloth can sort of protect and look after people and places and so they will like stealthily go out and hide these little swords of cloth or cardboard that Octavia has breathed on in places they want to protect so the society recommends leaving one secretly in your bank somewhere to make sure that your money is safe so there's story of them like tacking them under bank counters because then the bank will be protected Um, during the general strike they're very anti the general strike they hate communists and socialists, and they're very conservative in that way. Um, so when the general strike's about to happen, they go and put them uh, like uh, under bridges and under at railway stations and places. So Truro Station, there's this lone woman in Cornwall. Um, uh, oh, what was her name? Is she Ruth? I think that's Ruth Fox. Um, and she goes out and she writes in her diary about how proud she is that she went out and hid this bit of breath cloth under the aqueduct. <laughs> Um, Truro Station to protect it. Um, Worked very well. Yeah, so that's a big Mm. part of their sort of um, uh, ministry and work as well. And you can, yeah, you can bless your homes. And there's this is an advert that they put out because they were always worried that you know because the world was going to end, they might not be able to contact each other. They can't just text each other. You know, it's all letters and communication. So they take an advert out for their members. Should a state of emergency arise whereby communication with headquarters is interrupted or becomes difficult, continue to fill your bottle with the bit of cloth in it with water as required and repeat the blessing and sprinkle it around your home. Okay. That's how you can keep them. 
keep going um, and keep safe so with them. They imagine that it's some sort of protective shield then that's coming emanating yeah. from this piece of cloth. And particularly, they want to protect Bedford and the Garden of Eden because so they forgetting that the Garden of Eden they, is they draw on a map like the extent of the garden, a nice little radius, and then they go out and at eight places mm. bury these bits of cloth to provide an extra level of protection and shielding. Again, to make sure that Bedford's ready for Jesus to come back. Just so many jumps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's okay. such a sort of eclectic um, uh, max of stuff. But yeah, you suddenly then get these little snippets of where potentially it becomes really harmful or really... Because these people, they believe that everything that's happening in that house is spiritual prophecy. Mm. Everything that's happening in that house is part of the story of end times. So, like, John being a bit grumpy today, what's what's that a sign of? What is that? How is that part of... And work out where it is. And what, yeah, so it's this constant sort of really intense scrutiny and rivalry. So sometimes, Sam, that causes issues in the community. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, which brings me on nicely to the story of Edgar... I'm going to get his name wrong. Uh, Pissart... Pissart? What did you call me? P-E-I-S-S-A-R-T. Pissart. Um Who's an American. He joins in 1922. Edgar Pissart. And he's been in pretty much every fringe religious group going. He's been in theosophy. He's been in the Shakers. He's been in lots of American sort of fringe groups. Mm-hmm. And then he decides... The Panacea Society is for him. So he comes to uh, live there. I can show you a picture of him as well. Excellent. The trouble with the photographs from this era is that everyone looks a bit scary in this kind of black and white. Um, like an old carnival. So I feel like that. So that's young him and old him. So that's him at the time he okay. joins. On seeing this photograph, Kate Firth said he looked like the devil himself. I was... Oh, that one's creepy. That one looks like... He's wearing a skin mask, like yeah. a weird Buffalo Bill sort of egg mask. Yeah, he's kind of creepy looking. Um, so he joins, and he sort of be- believes in lots of the views, but his there are two troubles with him. One, which is he thinks that in this, because they're trying to mirror everything, that if there's a group of four important people, Emily Godwin, the voice of the Divine Mother, Octavia, the female Messiah. Um, I can't remember who the other uh, person would have been. I think it changed around quite a lot. But he was like, oh, I should be the father then. I should be the male one of those. But isn't the father God? But in the earthly yeah. representation or something. So he's like gunning for that to be the case. That'd and be great wouldn't it, if you could just turn up somewhere and go, hello, everyone. I think I should be God. Yeah. And yeah. like early on, he gets, I don't know whether they're excited to have a male to have more male members or something um but then you know that means that they're a bit like no you need to accept that this is you know about female spirituality and women being in charge and it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like you accept that and he introduces what several articles and the book describes as a homosexual subculture to the cult okay so there are lots of these women in their 40s 50s 60s spinsters long time unmarried Mm -hmm. in the group almost certainly some of them are at the very least seem to be bisexual or or lesbian um there's a really sad story about one of them who sort of falls in love with one of the high up members and is writing about how she feels about that and how difficult that 
is, yeah. um, especially because you know there's no sexual contact, no. And it's homosexuality, so... Oh, absolutely. Well. Absolutely, yeah. that's illegal. Octavia doesn't like it because she's very conservative. Mm-hmm. That's what's really interesting about her because it's all female empowerment. She was against women getting the vote. She was against lots of sort of suffragist movements. Lots of the early members were suffragists because yeah. they were like, yeah, women-led religion. Yeah. Um, but she was like, I mean, no. I would have assumed she was part of that no. suffragette sort of thing. None of that. Women's places in the home. But also Conservative like- government no socialists you know she's uber conservative (laughs) she's like a weird double yeah double thing so yeah so maybe that's going on as a bit of a culture in the house um as well uh there are a few male members and edgar uh, begins this sort of relationship um and affair with thomas or donald ricketts he went by two names who's this younger guy i think he's a student at the time that they meet, you can't tell in that picture because he looks about 100, okay. but he is a student. They all look the same. Um, <laughs> and they start having a sort of secret affair in the house. Ooh. Um, but of course, it's all filtered through weird sort of fringe uh, religion. So Edgar is like, yeah, this is definitely part of like end time prophecy, you and I getting it on. Um, and he sort of finds every possible biblical passage about seed and giving seed and right. passing on seed and that and he's writing these sort of passionate letters to yeah. this guy going this is why what we're doing is important you can't tell anybody else um Ooh, and then head fuck for this person yep. as well so he's super in love with this with this donald who maybe seems to be um enjoying him and then donald goes back to university and there's this other guy jesse who lives in the house who's like this older guy in his 40s um, who, like, the minute Donald has gone, is knocking on Edgar's door and brings him a 32-page letter professing his love for him oh. and how they should get it on. And they say, possibly they have sex a few times, but uh, Edgar's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with this other um, guy. Oh, they so, wrote him a 32-page letter! I mean, yeah, I would, yeah, that would be fascinating to see uh, what that is but you know that you know it's not sacred sex like he's having with this other guy it's not the numerology isn't right for them to get together but then because of all this you know reporting each other and reporting suspicions voice of uh, the divine mother finds out octavia finds out big scandal they have an inquiry within the building that they, they don't report them to the police good but they tell them that they probably will or that they have so you should do what we say have this big inquiry where they exercise them um, and they exercise them by waving like a knife letter opener around that's a big part of their (laughs) part of their exorcisms are either brushing the spirits away with a broom or waving a broom around to clear the evil spirits and there's a great at one point this woman joins um, or she visits and she writes in her diary um, how excited she is oh where does it say it Um, she's like saw the broom today really exciting (laughs) because she'd read about it and and seen about it oh yeah saw broom for the first time she writes in her diary so they do that and the idea of their trial is that they're not so if i'm putting you on trial sam it's not you actually because it's the devil who's possessed you or made you do it so actually we're putting the devil on trial for what he's made you do right okay but then you'll get 
punished. I'm going to get punished, but it's not me. Um, And this is sort of great for Octavia because Edgar is like pushing his power. Maybe he's trying to sort of take over a little bit. He's bringing in, you know, he's bringing in different ideas. uh, And so this is a very convenient way to, to get rid of him. So Emily Goodwin is the judge in this case. She goes into a trance and tells... Uh, Octavia, if you send Edgar away to New York, he'll die. So that's what you should do. So they go, look, we um, they tell him they've told the police and that, you know, the best thing is that you go to New York and you can do some stuff for us over mm-hmm. in New York. So Edgar goes to New York, catches pneumonia on the way on the boat in the drafty lower class yeah. cabin and dies like a month after he gets the other Oh, so Side. she's right, so she's vindicated. Yep, so that becomes a big uh, celebration. Jesse also goes to America. He gets married. Um, there's a photo, there's a hilarious photo of him with his children, and then his wife's been, like, photoshopped into it because he's cut her face out of another photograph and then put it on the <laughs> picture, which suggests how close they were. So they had two children together, but he would travel around promoting the Panacea Society in his truck full of Panacea information, and he went around with his male trucking buddy. Oh. Um, and he was like, I just like to go trucking with my truck. And my boyfriend is not so my 1920s truckers. Yeah. Um, oh, and they're... I'm going to have to post this picture on Facebook because yeah. absolutely brilliant Photoshop. Um, so they're expelled from the society and kicked out. Um, there's another woman called Kate who becomes very sort of sceptical and is the one who early on was like, I'm not yeah. sure if she is. She keeps being sort of questioning. Again, she sort of wants to get married with this other guy. Maybe they're going to try and take it over. Absolutely not. They're kicked out. They have to leave. One of the houses is theirs. So they're like, now nah, we're going. We're taking our house back. Where they'd knock the wall down so they could share the premises and share the garden. They're like, no, put that wall back up. We're going. But then later on, they sell it back to them. Oh, okay. Because so they, they leave properly. Yeah. Um so yeah, again, you know, any kind of dissent is absolutely clamped down, shut down. Um, yeah, and there are these big sort of scandals about homosexual subculture. So uh, yeah, and then you know, and people get exercised. It's called casting the controls exorcism. That's what I've just seen in my uh, notes. Where uh, you have you sweeping the air. <laughs> yep, uh, you give an in-depth confession while <laughs> while they chase the invisible spirits and stab them with a knife. <laughs> I mean, there's loads of things like that where you go, I just wish I could have seen that moment. When there are the sacred four of them, they have these secret meetings away from everybody else. um, And they read some bit of scripture that, that, you know, the sacred four shall move around each other in constant circles of spirituality. And so they have these sessions where the four of them just get together in a room and dance around and there's one beautiful description of it which is like oh they're whirling in tune with spirits and then somebody else's description is like they're crawling on the floor they're waving their arms around (laughs) just these four you know 50 60 year old people just crawling around waving their arms around wow yeah so yeah so it's sort of super intense um and, you know, everything comes down to Octavia and what she wants and what this sort of Emily Godwin wants. And they absolutely, you know, control and, and force and uh, whatever. Um, yeah, and have these very conservative views. So they're massively against uh, the Labour Party. Again, not that that's 
you know people are welcome to have different political views but they super push yeah yeah for their time and for being this big sort of female empowerment group they're otherwise very very socially conservative in what you dress and what you do and Mm. where you go um but you, you know you can go to the pictures you're allowed to go twice a week which was the national average in the 1920s i guess amongst middle class well off people yeah um well, you know, likely that there wasn't much on telly at that point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, so that's okay, I guess. But yeah, you get this impression of this incredibly intense community. Yeah. Um, and then she dies. Oh. Bye. Um, they've been oh. growing. They've been trying to promote the box. Talk more about the box in a minute, maybe. I'd forgotten about the box. Yeah. Um, they're doing all of these things and then one morning they think oh she's um sleeping in a little bit and this guy goes in at 11 to start her fire and give her tea and whatever and she's dead which is really confusing because all of the preaching is we're going to stay alive we're going to live forever now yeah now you've paid your 12 shillings and in the months before slowly people have started dying off happens and that's always explained as well actually she was still kind of a bitch so maybe that's why she's dead and actually you know he was you know a bit lazy sometimes so he just hadn't they hadn't done all of these self-purification things enough once again like the group who shall not be named when people see from the group and they it's because they are abusers yep. or whatever. and you get all of the you know these ex-members and people that write campaigns against them including kate firth when she leaves her and her husband really try and sort of expose them and they are the devil they're satan Mm. edgar when he goes it was actually lucifer trying to destroy the garden of Eden. you know again any criticism or outside stuff is satan evil bad don't talk to these people if you get caught talking to them another member if they notice that or they see that they're going to write it they're going to send it to emily goodwin the divine mother then she'll know what you've done. You'll have to come in and confess to her. Do we think this is what the, where the Nazi party got it all from? <laughs> of, like reporting on your parents and that sort of thing. It has that real totalitarian vibe yeah. to it. They briefly, just since fascism's come up, flirted with that. They didn't like the British... <laughs> U- she didn't like the British Union of fascists, the Mosley lot, because they were so anti-Semitic. But there was another like fringe fascist group i can't remember the name of it now that they were sort of interested in but her members weren't allowed to vote because you weren't allowed to politically engage because that was bad except sam whenever there was a general election as with everything else they'd have their own version so at the general election they would have a vote every year and that vote was you signed a bit of paper that is i vote that octavia is the best and is our leader and is our holy representative and she basically is the real power on earth. I signed, I vote for this. Sounds like a Russian election. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly, please don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just... Watch the door handles on the way out. No, that's not a cut. No. no, 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 I didn't say that. We'll cut that. Cut that, Sam. <laughs> Oh, I've lost that train of thought now. Um, they had an election every year, Octavia. Yeah, that was about you. promoting her sorry i've I've, I've diverted a little bit um but yeah so then she dies and they're like this isn't they spend a bit of time trying to revive her so she they found her dead body at 11 
she's eventually pronounced dead at half past two because they've been they've got doctors in to try and revive her and That's do okay. lots of things. Time, and I um, no one knows what time she actually died either. So she yep. could have died at ten p.m. They don't tell the rest of the members, so mm. obviously she can't give the sermon that night. But Emily does, and yeah. this friend of theirs, who's a member of the Church of England who's a clergyman but also a member of them he gives the service and at this service um emily goodwin is like the reading is about jesus giving a message to his followers to just keep going once he's gone and she's like you know i just think we need to be prepared that you know sometimes things might change and you just have to accept whatever happens like properly preparing for her being the highest status person and then they tell other people but you know her body's just been around so one of the um members writes in their diary about noticing that she's changing color as she's been there and then they box her in a coffin put her in the bishop room jana southcott box yeah. room oh my god imagine if they went to open the jana southcott ah, what? it's me <laughs> <Octavia! laughs> like out of a birthday cake oh but smelly <laughs> And yeah, yeah, you don't get cake as well. Um, although they're very pro cake. There's, I can't remember now. At one point, there's an anecdote in the book which is like this woman's feeling really troubled spiritually, and Octavia's like, "Just have some tea and a bit of cake. <laughs> You'll be all right." Yeah, yeah which again is like this, this cake. <laughs> yeah, again, slightly weird uh, thing. Um, so that causes big sort of trouble in the group, um, and also they've been, you know, battling year after year after year to try and get these bishops to open the box so they've been uh writing to them they've been they are famous for being at every church of england event leafleting outside mm-hmm. so much that like the church times are like and of course the joanna southcott box people were there along with the archbishop of canterbury as ev- they should be at every meeting um and basically mostly the bishops won't go for it they either don't reply or they go, no thanks. Right. Or, but there are a handful of them that are like, yeah, fine, let's just get it done. Just stop writing to me, let's just do it. And there's a point when they have, I think, six bishops who are like, yeah, okay, let's just, let's just do it. And then the woman in Devon goes, no, nah, actually, the time's not right. Let's not do it. And then they never get enough bishops who are interested after that. But they write letters, they put big posters and banners up everywhere that are... Ooh, where's my banner quotes? So they put these big adverts up everywhere uh, saying things like crime and banditry, distress and perplexity will increase until the bishops open Joanna Southcott's box. <laughs> Which sounds a bit rude now that I said it out loud while making <laughs> eye contact with you, uh, Sam. Or England's troubles will increase until the bishops open Joanna Southcott's box or the Bolsheviks will destroy England unless they open open Joanna Southcott's uh, box. So... Can't they just... Why do they... Why don't they just open it? Because the time isn't right, this woman in Devon says. So in 1920... just go to the guy in Bournemouth or Portsmouth? Well, uh, yeah. So in 1927, Harry Price says the box he has is Joanna Southcott's box. Um, and he has one bishop ready. He does this big event in London where they're going to... He x-rays the box. I think there's a picture of that in here somewhere. Um, and they then have this big opening ceremony. And inside there are some books, some papers, none of them Joanna Southcott's, some dice, a lottery ticket from 17-something, a nightcap, some earrings, and a horse pistol. 
Now, I haven't looked up what a horse pistol is, Sam, but I have a feeling it's a horrendous weapon designed purely to shoot horses. Horse pistol. A large pistol carried at the pommel of the saddle by a rider. Oh, so it's designed for being on your horse, not for shooting horses. Yeah. Okay, that's better than what I was imagining. Also known as a flintlock, apparently. Or a pistol designed to be operated by a hoof. (laughs) But there are no prophecies... And pretty much everyone agrees that that's not the real box and that it's just a publicity stunt by Harry Price, which is almost certainly the case. If you were going to do that, why wouldn't you just write a bunch of prophecies and put them in a box and go, oh, look, it's the box? Yeah, I guess. Like, if you're going to so. be revealed to be a fraudster, why not at least attempt to fool people? Attempt fraud. <laughs> the Portsmouth person opens theirs, and there are some Joanna Southcott writings, but they're all ones that members knew about. So that's just another box of her possessions somewhere. And supposedly the Southcottian Society had given it to the British Museum and they were looking after it. So that's possibly another box that's in the place. There's also a group in Scotland who say they've got the real one in Carlisle um, and that Octavia isn't the Messiah. Actually, um, uh, Shiloh is occupying uh, the body of Prince William and who I guess is Prince William at the time. Would there have been a Prince William around then? Or have they decided that since? A Prince William, what, in... In the 1920s? George's bro? Prince William of Gloucester. Okay. There we go. So they think he's... Shiloh's actually... Oh, that's a bit later, 1941. Maybe they decide that later on. Um, So they think they've got it, but effectively, probably the box is this one that this woman has in Devon. She doesn't really get on with the panacea society but when she dies and this is after octavia's died they get the box her brother or something says we want the panacea society to have it okay so give it to them so they have the box (laughs) and they have a replica that's on display in this museum that now exists but Mm. where the actual box is now i can't i looked and looked still looks like nobody's opened it it's still not clear what that situation is or what the prophecies. Let's go find the box. I mean, you know, when England is in a time of trouble. Well. Bishops, if you're listening to this. In full bishop regalia. <laughs> That's what I'm imagining. How do you get your headphones on over those big hats? Earbuds, Don't know. John. Earbuds. So, yes, it's supposedly, you know, somewhere there might still be. Um, this box um after octavia dies it grows for a few years there's still lots of people signing up still more people come to live in the so can we houses octavia dies yep then goodwin gives this sermon saying we've got to get ready for things to change how do the members actually react to the death they are very surprised yeah (laughs) because did it did it result in the loss of members or the loss of some people left because without octavia being there they talk about, you know, it all feels they're doing the same thing every day, but now it feels empty because they don't have her messages. They don't have her, although in some ways she's quite severe, in other ways she's got a sense of humour. She's giving you quite good life, but she's a bit like an agony aunt. Right. So they really feel the loss of her, like, input to their lives. Alvin's just not doing it for them. Well, she's always just been harshness and um, trances. Um, so some people do leave, I think. Some members stay. Some people still come and join. So it grows for a little bit, but then gradually it starts to 
decline and decline and decline. So at their heyday, supposedly they have, you know, 2,000 sealed uh, members. I think at most they have 70 people actually living in the, the campus, in the houses. Um, still a Yeah, yeah. Um, but then that dwindles down. I think in the 90s there were 10 members that were left. Right. And then into the early 2000s. So this must be children of children of people that were in it when Octavia was alive. Yep, or some people that had joined later. So when, in the 2000s, when they're interviewed by a journalist, there was a big scandal because they were a charity. They'd been a registered charity for a long time, since the 1930s. And you had to, obviously, if you were living there, you gave all of your money to the group to promote the Panacea Society. Your whole life was about promoting them. No other, again, in terms of ticking off the checklist. Yeah. Yeah, all of your money and time, day and night, get invested in this project. Nothing else is, is worthy of consideration. So they have lots of money. They've got lots of property. They get donations. They're making money from giving out healing stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And basically the Charity Commission, I guess this was in the 2000s, go, are you just stockpiling money? Because, Sam, can you guess how much money they have? Can I guess how much money? So is this over the... What, so th- these are what their assets are in the early 2000s in property and stocks and Ooh, so in on. property. So what, they've got kind of six or seven houses in Bedford. Yeah. Two million. Fifteen million in property and <laughs> stocks. What? And what I've written here, which I guess must be true, um, they get, this must have been at their height, they got so many thousand pounds worth of income every year. So there's year. 10 members and they've got this £15 million. They've got this big property portfolio and so, and their argument is we're saving it for when Jesus comes back. <laughs> we're not spending it. In, in fairness to them, it, they're running their group but also they're not going around in limousines. Bit, um, it's more likely for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven or something. <laughs> I'm not a Christian. <laughs> I'm just quoting. Something about camels and sewing machines. Um, <laughs> so like there's a horse pistol... Uh, camel sewing machine <laughs> designed to be operated by hooves. Um, so the charity commission sort of agrees with you, Sam, and they're like, this doesn't yeah. seem great if you're a charity. What are you doing? And so they do a bit more to promote Christianity more generally. Uh, in fairness to them, they do give money locally. So they give at one point £250,000 to Bedford Hospital. But the charity commission make them sell lots of their assets. So some of their yeah. buildings are gone now. Um, the woman who wrote this book is saying she was disappointed because lots of the members who died or left between the 30s and the 90s, their rooms were just left. But she just missed them all still existing when she went to research the group because they'd okay. all been closed and sold and emptied. Uh, um, so and they were see all these cool 1930s Like left yeah. from when people had gone. So yeah, so they'd given lots of money. And there's this interview with two of the surviving members, both of whom are now dead. Uh, John Coghill who joined, I think he joined like a month after Octavia had died, but was pretty much the last surviving member, and Ruth Klein. Um, And they're interviewed because they're sort of the only front-facing members. They're trying to be more open in the early 2000s. And from this interview comes some interesting extra beliefs from the group, Sam. Are you ready for this? I am ready. Adam and Eve obviously were real, um, but... They didn't believe that it was that eating the apple was about apple and knowledge. That wasn't the crime. The crime was having sex with Eve while she had her period or while she was in the menstruation period. And that because was all women are dirty. And that was why women had caused the fall, but that's why as a group they believed women would restore humankind because they'd caused the problem in the first place. 
somehow. So is apple now a euphemism for periods? Or... I don't. Have <laughs> you got your yeah, apple? <laughs> There's an apple sauce joke there somewhere, maybe. Uh, apple crumble. No. no. Uh, okay. Yuck. But also, I've done these notes far too patchily. Eve conceived Adam. But Adam famously conceived Eve with the ribs. Yep. And they were the start of humans with souls who could be saved. But there were people who existed before then who don't have souls and were not saved. So they're kind of acknowledging evolution in that point then? They're acknowledging difference between races, some of whom have souls, some of whom don't have souls and are therefore not great people. Uh, And then there's a third group who are the elect at Bedford. So there's there's sort of humankind who could be saved or who want to be saved, but they might go to heaven or they'll have a different arrangement. Then there are the strain of human who will be the 144,000 who will be saved and are the best. Mm -hmm. And then there are all the soulless humans who've been around since before Adam and Eve who are not great. Oh, here's a... Oh, I've actually written a good description about... Okay. Eve was the fruit. That's what... This is what the apple means. Okay. And the sin was having sex when her seed was contaminated with blood. That is... That is how children are born wicked, deformed... Or unsatisfactory. This is uh, John Coghill talking to this reporter in the 2000s. So if women, are, if a child is conceived when a woman is on her period, the child is born wicked or unsatisfactory. I guess so, or tainted in some way. It's a perfectly important eugenic fact, John Coghill says, not me, I should point out. The sin of Adam and Eve was having sex at the wrong time of the month. And that's why they were um, dipped out. All the patriarchs all the important people in the old testament lived till they were about 930 yeah until sam these humans with souls began to marry other races which still had animal souls and that accounts sam for why some races are so cruel john coghill told this reporter in the 2000s and it's really interesting because he's him and ruth klein are talking to this reporter um, and ruth is like Maybe we shouldn't tell them that, but John, I'm not sure that's what you should be talking about. And he's like, no, I want to tell them about the races and how they're okay. different. And she's okay, like, maybe that's not great. I can't see my face, but it's contorted into a what the fuck face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's got that yeah, that's... thing um, yeah. going on uh, as well. And that's when they get this uh, story that, you know, Shiloh was born, but, you know, came out of... Joanna invisibly and was taken up by angels. So this was um, said by Coghill in the early 2000s. It yeah. wasn't like an archaic... No, that was him, have, you know, having been in this religion going, actually, and, and we, you know what we believe as well? Oh, this no. yeah. thing. So, and that's what you, you know, this sort of, although some of it seems quite harmless and not pleasant, but, well, you know, ladies having tea and talking about the Bible and, you know, not listening to men about it anymore. There's also this really sort of quite extremist stuff. Um, and then Ruth Klein and John Coghill died, and now the society doesn't exist as so a religious the movement. Members, it's gone now, so we've just got what, a museum. The society it. exists, and their aims are to promote Christianity, to preserve the museum and the archive in Bedford, and some third other thing. And so their collection of buildings in Bedford are now a museum that we absolutely are going to visit, Sam. Yes. Um, 
unless anybody listens to this and is like, yeah, that sounds good. Um, but the yeah, so they've got all of those letters, all of those diaries, all of those records, the health records of everybody who wrote to them. Because if you took their healing waters, you had to report back every week what had happened and how you were getting on. Right. And they still have hundreds and hundreds of these boxes of breath, uh, cloth that she'd breathed on. I'm checking eBay when I get home. Yeah. Um, so that, Sam, is, and I think, Pretty much, you can call them a cult. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the Panacea Society, who wow. I, in the last two weeks, have been kind of obsessed with. Thank you, John. That was brilliant. And so, would you join? <laughs> would you join the Panacea Society? You think? What have they got for us? They've got tea and cake. Tea and cake, lawn parties. They do their own plays in the garden at their place. Fab. You get to go to the cinema twice a week. That is more than I... I've been to the cinema twice in the last two years. Um, You're guaranteed a living place on Earth for eternity. Living next door to Jesus. (laughs) Who has his own shower and... Yeah. WC. um, (laughs) WC for JC. Yeah. So that's fine, um, but also but the- massively, you know, conservative and eugenicist, um, and gays are very bad. Um, but there's also a massive undertone of gays. Yeah. So secret gays. Well, yeah, you know, in some ways, it's sort of it's extraordinary to read these, you know, men in the 1920s who probably wouldn't conceive of themselves as that as an identity, yeah. but who are like, yeah, I kind of dig this. Guy. homosexual without knowing that they were homosexual. and in that sense have kind of an open vibe and the fact that there would be three within this very you know i think they were the only three men in the community at the time possibly right. but yeah mostly i'm you know i spend enough time thinking about my own faults i don't need to list them every night before bed then write them down then send that letter to somebody who knows all of my secrets and confessions Oh, that kind of introspection kind of anxiety. where how you when you can open a window how you eat a jacket potato how you eat toast all of these you know there are so many prescriptions of every second and moment of your no it's and then all the horrible eugenicist stuff that we've just so surprisingly discussed. enough the panacea society is not for us how about you sir one day we'll find one that we want to join <laughs> yeah well inevitably there must be something that's fun um so the, the idea of it being led by a woman and mostly inhabited by women is really interesting because so often it's a dictatorial man. Well, and that's what was amazing. You know, in the 1800s, early 1900s, you get this explosion of religious groups where women are like, I just don't feel like this has got anything for me. And you get things like the Shakers, who was founded by a woman who got you know messages from God in a very similar way. And she decides she's going to run a group. You know, spiritualist churches... Lots of the early mediums were women. Those yeah. churches were run by women. They could stand on the platform and they would be not in charge because they don't have that kind of structure. But, you know, it's very much a w- women environment. Yeah, there lots of these ladies going, actually, you know, this you know, very traditional old male-dominated thing, that's not for us. We're going to do our own thing. But then they're still super conservative and against women having the vote and against all that yeah. actual freedom for women yeah. thing. Yeah. Is it- and they didn't vote oh. except in one election where they were really worried the Labour Party was going to win, so they voted. She made them vote Conservative one year. Right. Again, in terms of cult-like behaviour, it was like Octavia is telling you, you can vote just this once and you're going to vote for this, for this, yeah, for this person and for this version of things. Um, 
so yeah, but uh, yeah, that's yeah, they're sort of a mix of really quite interesting and and pr- progressive, I guess, ideas. Yeah. But also deeply so unprogressive things, and sort of taking you know we'll have this bit of astrology and this bit of numerology, and this interpretation of Christianity and this bit of occulticism, and we'll also do automatic writing. Yeah. But only oh. her, she can do it. That was a big argument within the society was like sometimes somebody else would think they had a message from god but pretty much after her friend went yeah we think mabel's the messiah nobody else had contact from god and she would like write them letters going i just think you should um realize that everything you're saying is wrong and from satan so just stop oh it's like when you're a kid and playing a game and everyone's like oh i don't want to play your game well so there we go so yeah i tried to take us to a slightly Less murdery version. Yes, <laughs> it was nice not to um, have the, the few Devon links, you know, Jana Southcott, Devon, Devon oh, girl, bless her. And I think one of the society members was from Plymouth as well, so we've hit our local connections. Ging, ging. But yeah, no, I'd never heard of them at all. No, but they're sort of yeah, extraordinary. Great. Well, thank you very much, John. Thank, thank you, Sam. Thank you, listeners, for hopefully listening. Um, <laughs> If you're still with us and we're not just shouting into the void. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, please give us a review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. If you have any more suggestions for what you would like us to look at next time, please send us an email at coffeeandcults at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at coffeeandcults. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Uh, We're off to uh, drink some water with a bit of cardboard in it. Oh, yum. Have a cup of tea. And um, I might stab the air around Sam with a knife <laughs> to make sure there are no evil spirits nearby. And uh, bishops, let us know. Open that box. We want to know what's inside. Open the box. Open the box.